Welcome to the Faith Connections Podcast, a partnership between the Foundry Publishing, Nazarene Discipleship International, and Holiness Today. Welcome to our study this week of Exodus chapter 5, verses 1 through 9, and then chapter 5, verse 22 through chapter 6, verse 8. My name is Scott Rainey. I serve with the Church of the Nazarene in the area of Nazarene Discipleship International, or NDI. This adult Sunday school video lesson is provided in collaboration between the Foundry Publishing and NDI. The Sunday school lesson is intended to support the local church's efforts to make disciples who make disciples. Please feel free to use this video in any way that helps your church or families. We're continuing this week in our study of the people of God and their story found in the book of Exodus. By the end of Exodus chapter 3, God had revealed his rescue plan for delivering Israel from Egyptian slavery. God would use Moses, born to Hebrew parents, raised by an Egyptian princess, and now living as a shepherd in a foreign land, Midian. Moses wasn't really receptive to this call on his life. He struggled with doubt, trust, and uncertainty. God's instructions to Moses were clear. Go, assemble the elders of Israel, and share the promises I've made with you and Abraham's descendants. I will soon deliver Israel from Egypt and give the land I have promised to my people. Exodus chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. God continued his instruction in Exodus chapter 3, verse 18. He says, then you and the elders are to go to the king of Egypt. The Lord revealed to Moses that all those who wanted to kill him are dead, according to Exodus chapter 4, verse 19. Moses and the elders of Israel are to simply ask Pharaoh to allow the Hebrew people to take a three-day journey into the wilderness to offer sacrifices to the Lord. God told Moses, however, in advance what would happen. Pharaoh would reject your request. So I will stretch out my hand and strike the Egyptians with wonders. God finished the conversation with a promise. In the end, Pharaoh will let you go. Through all this, Moses was still reluctant. As Exodus chapter 4 begins, God demonstrated his power to Moses through signs in a way to give him courage. Still, Moses offered excuses as to why he should not be the one to go in Exodus chapter 4, verse 10. Finally, Moses asked God directly, please send someone else, verse 13. The Lord unenthusiastically offered Aaron Moses' brother, to assist Moses as his spokesman. This plan to include Aaron was certainly second best, as we will discover as the story unfolds. Moses then began his journey back to Egypt under the blessing of Jethro, his father-in-law. He stopped at Sinai, the mountain of God, where Moses had first encountered the burning bush. Aaron met him there, and Moses shared all that he had heard and seen from the Lord. Together, Moses and Aaron gathered the elders of Israel, presumably in Egypt now, 
Moses shared God's promises and performed the signs God had shown him. The elders were convinced and all bowed down in worship to the one true God of Israel. With the support of the people of Israel, Moses and Aaron set out to confront Pharaoh. This, this is where we start our lesson for this week in Exodus chapter 5, verse 1. Afterward, Moses and Aaron went to, the, to Pharaoh and said, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Let my people go so that they may hold a festival to me in the wilderness. Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey him and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, and I will not let Israel go. Then they said, The God of the Hebrews has met with us. Now let us take a three-day journey into the wilderness to offer sacrifices to the Lord our God, or he may strike us with plagues or with a sword. But the king of Egypt said, Moses and Aaron, why are you taking the people away from their labor? Get back to your work. Then Pharaoh said, look, the people of the land are now numerous, and you are stopping them from working. That same day, Pharaoh gave this order to the slave drivers and overseers in charge of the people. You are no longer to supply the people with straw for making bricks. Let them go and gather their own straw, but require them to make the same number of bricks as before. Don't reduce the quota. They are lazy. That is why they are crying out, let us go and sacrifice to our God. Make the work harder for the people so that they will, they keep working and pay no attention to lies. And then skipping to verse 22, Moses returned to the Lord and said, Why, Lord, why have you brought this trouble on this people? Is this why you sent me? Ever since I went to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has brought trouble on this people, and you have not rescued your people at all. Chapter 6. Then the Lord said to Moses, now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. Because of my mighty hand, he will let them go. Because of my mighty hand, he will drive them out of his country. God also said to Moses, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. But my name, the Lord, I did not make myself fully known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, where they reside as foreigners. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the Israelites, whom the Egyptians are enslaving, and I have remembered my covenant. Therefore, say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm, and with a mighty axe of judgment. I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God, who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. And I will bring you to the land I swore with uplifted hand to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you as a possession. I am 
the Lord. In Exodus chapter 5, verse 1, we're introduced immediately to a change of plans. God had instructed Moses and the elders of Israel to go to Pharaoh from Exodus chapter 3, verse 18. Here in Exodus 5, verse 1, we learn that only Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh. Where is the support of the elders of Israel for Moses and Aaron? We don't know why the elders did not go. Did Moses not ask them to go? Did the elders not want to risk their lives before Pharaoh? Admittedly, leadership can be lonely, a lesson that Moses will see time and time again throughout his life. But let me take a moment to encourage church leaders here, board members, Sunday school teachers, really all God's people. Encourage your pastor in these days. Be with him or her in tough decisions. Don't disappear when he or she needs you most. Pray for and stand with your pastor when the pressure is high. When Moses and Aaron finally are in the presence of Pharaoh, their words to Pharaoh are strikingly different from what God had told them to say. Exodus chapter 3, verse 18, records what God told Moses to say to Pharaoh. The Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. Let us take a three-day journey into the wilderness to offer sacrifices to the Lord our God. Moses instead calls God the Lord, the God of Israel, Exodus 5, verse 1. What seems a subtle difference may have been intended by Moses and Aaron to show more force. Moses and Aaron uh, may have wanted to convey that the Lord is the God of a nation, not just a people. While God instructed Moses to call for a three-day journey, Moses completely eliminated this time frame in his first request to Pharaoh. Again, it's possible that this omission came across more demanding than God's instructed request in chapter 3. Finally, God told Moses to ask for permission to go. Let us take a three-day journey into the desert from Exodus chapter 3, verse 18. Let us. But Moses used a command in Exodus 5, 1, send away these people. This is even clearer when we see it in the Hebrew text. A Hebrew particle is used in Exodus chapter 3 that can be translated as, please pray, a polite way of asking for permission. Moses omits the politeness altogether. God had told Moses to use a commanding tone, but only later when it came to the 10th plague after Pharaoh had rejected all other requests, according to Exodus chapter 4, verse 23. It seems that Moses, in haste, jumped to a commanding tone before Pharaoh in his first meeting. You might remember that 40 years later, uh, after the meeting with Pharaoh, Moses was not permitted to take the Israelites into the promised land. Instead, Joshua led the people across the Jordan River. The reason Moses was not allowed to enter back uh, goes back to a time when God asked Moses to speak to a rock in the desert so that it would send forth water for the people of Israel to drink. 
Instead, Moses, with harsh words to Israel, took his staff and struck the rock twice. Numbers chapter 20, verse 12 says, But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Because you did not trust in me enough to honor me as holy in the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring this community into the land I gave I give them. It appears that Moses, in his personal insecurities and lack of trust in God, used an appearance of power on more than one occasion in his life. Through the years, I've witnessed insecure spiritual leaders force their way on others through position or perceived power. In doing so, they've disobeyed God and they've hurt their ability to lead in the end. Oh, Lord, help us to trust you, to obey your instructions, and to rest in your power, not ours. Pharaoh quickly refused Moses' request. Pharaoh's response was likely a harsh and dismissive tone when he said, Who is the Lord that I should obey him and let Israel go? Exodus chapter 5, verse 2. It's also a true statement. This Pharaoh did not know, he had not met the God of Israel. Interestingly, Moses tried his request to Pharaoh again in Exodus chapter 5, verse 3. This time, he asked Pharaoh in a polite and respectful way, just as the Lord had instructed him in Exodus chapter 3, verse 18. In the second request, Moses referred to the Lord of the Hebrews. He mentioned a three-day time frame. And he said, please. Even still, Moses added a twist that God had not said. If we do not go offer sacrifices, God may strike us with plagues and, or with a sword. Either way, Moses made clear that Pharaoh's options were simple. Three days with no slaves or no slaves at all. Pharaoh not only, not only rejected this request, but this time he oppressed Israel even more. Instead of a three-day break from their labor and a chance to worship their God, the Hebrews were given more and harder labor. In Pharaoh's mind, oppressive measures will divert all thoughts Israel may have of following Moses and Aaron. The labor must be so hard that the people don't have any time or strength left to even think about doing anything else, not even worshiping their God. So Pharaoh gave this order in Exodus chapter 5, verses 7 and 8. You are no longer to supply the people with straw for making bricks. Let them go and gather their own straw, but require them to make the same number of bricks as before. Don't reduce the quota. This impossible task made life even worse for the Israelites. The Hebrews, in desperation, turned against Moses. They said, you have made us obnoxious at Pharaoh and have put a sword in their hand to kill us. Moses, with nowhere else to go, returns to the Lord. Moses brought two why questions to the Lord. Remember, when God called him, Moses expected that going to Pharaoh would not accomplish anything. He had also expected that his own people would not accept him. Both expectations had come to pass, but it was even worse than he had thought. 
now, because of his interference, the life of the Hebrews had become worse than before. Moses' words are very direct to God in Exodus chapter 5, verse 3. You have not rescued your people at all. Pharaoh's hand was so heavy upon the people that they and Moses were moved to discouragement and hopelessness. Have you ever been in that hopeless state before? Some have called this place the dark night of the soul. I've been there before. After my first unspecific call to ministry when I was 17 years old, I just assumed God would use me as a physician, my boyhood dream. When I was turned down from medical school at 22 years old, I entered this discouraged and helpless, hopeless state. I came to God with my wants. Why did you let this happen to me? Why did you take me down this path only to have me fail? It was the dark night of my soul. I remember hearing a song in that during that time of my life. I put the words to memory and have never forgotten them. When the struggle you're facing is slowly replacing your joy with despair. When the process is long and you're losing your song in the night, you can be sure that the Lord has his hand on you, safe and secure. He will never abandon you. You are his treasure and he finds his pleasure in you. He who began a good work in you, he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. He will be faithful to complete it. He who started the work will be faithful to complete it in you. When you're losing your song in the night, that is the dark night of the soul. Interestingly, the time when God would deliver his people from Egypt would be midnight, the dark night of the soul. Exodus chapter 12, verse 29 says, at midnight, the Lord struck down all the firstborn in Egypt from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on the throne to the firstborn of the prisoner who was in the dungeon and the firstborn of all the livestock as well. Midnight, you see, becomes the turning point for Israel, representing the final stage before they are released. God would keep his promise at just the right time. You see, with God, there is hope even in our darkest moments. In Exodus chapter 6, verse 1, God completely ignored Moses' angry, disappointed, and possibly confused charge against him. God's patience. Wow. God was not offended by Moses' words. Instead, God reassured Moses that it will be because of God's mighty hand and not Moses' powerful words that the Hebrews' circumstances would be changed. In Exodus chapter 6, verses 2 through 8, we hear exclusively the words of the Lord, first speaking to Moses, then to the Israelites. These words begin and end with the same self-declaration of God. I am the Lord. His words spoke of his covenant relationship with Israel. The patriarchs had known God, and God had made a covenant with them. God remained true to his covenant. Abraham's descendants had increased greatly in number. 
God had watched them and heard their cries. The time had now come for God to rescue his people, the Hebrews, from their suffering and pain. But God's words to Moses included a new revelation, his name. God had not revealed his name to the patriarchs, but to Moses, God declared, I am who I am. Acknowledging God as the Lord, Yahweh, from now on, would always be associated with what God would do for the people in Egypt. His name meant power, presence, and deliverance. Because of who God is, that is the Lord, Yahweh, God would act. He would redeem his people. Exodus chapter 6, verse 6. The Hebrew word translated redeem denotes the action of buying something back in order to restore it to its original condition. The people of Israel belonged to God. He would not simply take back what was his. He was willing to pay in order to bring his people back into the family relationship. God's redemption would once again lead to their adoption. God said in verse 7, I will take you as my people. And their adoption would lead to their inheritance. Verse 8, it was a land which God had promised. Over the next five chapters, Exodus chapter 7 through 11, the Lord displayed his sovereignty over Pharaoh through a series of ten plagues. God proved himself as the one true God who was supreme. Before the final plague found in Exodus chapter 12, the Israelites are instructed to hold the Passover meal. The meal commemorates this moment of divine redemption from Egypt to be free from oppression and bondage. It should not surprise us then that Jesus interrupted the Jewish Passover meal, in, in order to institute what Christians today call the Lord's Supper. For a new revelation had been given from the Lord. That is, divine redemption of humanity would come through God's one and only Son, Jesus Christ. And that through Christ's broken body and shed blood, we can be redeemed, delivered from oppression and bondage to sin adopted and given an eternal inheritance. It's a story of a people, the Jews, but it's also a story of God's salvation for the entire world. And finally, it is the story for anyone still today who would repent and believe the good news of Jesus. You are invited into this wonderful story Put your trust in Jesus today. Thank you for listening to the Faith Connections podcast. If you wish to order Faith Connection materials for your local church, please visit thefoundrypublishing.com. If you've enjoyed this production and wish to hear more, visit holinesstoday.org slash podcast or find us on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts.